My goodness me. Here it is. Predictable. Well choreographed. Perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to the After Game Stew of Episode 5 of Grassroots, the leading podcast just about the women's grassroots game. In this high tackle of a podcast, we discuss pre-game rituals, digestive regularities and a nasty accident happens live on air, ruining Molly's dinner. We welcome Rochford Vixens to the podcast and Lou Feeds the 5000. This podcast will be like sitting in the clubhouse bar with a pint after a game. We hope you enjoy it. 22 months with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for fun. And Lou. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. And Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. Have you listened to Grassroots? What's Grassroots? It's the podcast that your wife's in. All oh, right, yeah, I must watch it. Others are getting in trouble, so I will watch it, yeah. <laughs> What's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen playing grassroots rugby? Well, apart from Kez putting her tooth in my foot <laughs> and having to go to A&E after a friendly um, and then have five stitches prior to a wedding, I think the funniest thing I've ever seen was Hannah catching the ball with her legs at fullback and then doing a poly And her dad at the end of the match saying it was the biggest waste of money he'd spent coming up from Essex to watch her play for rugby. <laughs> nice of you to join us, Dubs. <laughs> Lovely to be back. Out of COVID jail. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, Dubs. I need you in this podcast. <laughs> Is that to move away from the, the discussion about flaps and, and other such? Correct. Yeah. So if you've got any stories about embarrassing intimate injuries, save them for another time. I think that subject is well and truly. That. <laughs> we have, absolutely. Yeah. Good news. We have passed 1,300 downloads. Ridiculous. Woo. Just yeah. Don't get why people want to listen to us? No. We're fucking hilarious. Why would anyone not want to? <laughs> we think we're hilarious. I think I'm hilarious all the time, and I could listen to myself all the time. But I can't believe actually anyone else can bear listening to me. That's a good starting point, Jodie. I know we're only four episodes in, but in terms of reference points that that are mentioned to me regularly, top of the list is this Fable Shower interview that you were supposed to be doing oh, so yeah. do you want to tell the millions of listeners why there won't be a shower interview included in the next episode well darlington they gave me a bit of a time and i had an interview with them i used the dictaphone one that molly got a few uh, sound bites on and thank you for your time darlington it's really appreciated however prior to this podcast it was in my possession and i'd left it on my bedside table along with my car key and my TV remote, when I went to work, I returned to find out the dog had gotten herself upstairs and chewed everything up. Oh, shit. Yeah, so I was shitting myself to begin with because I thought, oh, my God, that's not even my dictaphone. What if it's like a family, family antique heirloom? Yeah, shit, what if his granddad gave it to him or <laughs> something? And I was like, oh, please, please, just be like a cheap thing you got off the internet, please, please. Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's the second one. Oh, thank fuck for that. I was so relieved when you said it wasn't important. So yeah, no shower shower interview yet. So here's a question. So this is a classic example of the dog actually ate your homework. No, yeah, the dog ate, ate my dictaphone and my car key. I had to get a new car key as well, so I couldn't come to training. And I didn't want to say that as an excuse because that sounds like the shittest excuse ever. That's like the Mazzy handbook, that one. Yeah, sorry. I've got... Oh, sorry, the dog ate my car key. TV remote. So yeah, everything's been replaced now. I've got a new dictaphone, new car key, new TV remote. However, I did take on my own sort of initiative and do a survey, a little thesis for the last game we had against Didsbury. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, I sounded like a right weirdo. So I began... <laughs> what do you mean, you sounded of, like a right yeah, weirdo? I am. I came across as who I am. <laughs> so I just basically asked a few questions, asked how they showered, which is a bit weird when you have no context. I'm not sure we're going to have lots of other clubs wanting to uh, take part in our podcast. How do you yeah. show it? So I've got a few stats with them. Uh, I've managed to ask nine people, so it's a very good widespread selection of good part of data. More than half yeah. a whole team. Yep, scientific, as we go. Four of which did not shower. Oh. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Two showered naked. <laughs> Two showered with, the, with just knickers, and one showered with bra and knickers. Good stats, Jodie. I only like got information from two of the backs. 
both of which didn't shower. Says it all. Yeah. Great observation skills. Um, Lou, what is Yo. your name? Stressed. Stressed Eric. Why, why are you stressed? <laughs> oh, God. Well, I am recording live from Crew Vagrants Rugby Club whoop, whoop. tonight. I and my partner in crime, in catering crime, we are making... Wait, what's on the menu tonight? They're having lasagna chips and salad. Lovely. Yeah. Is Emma going to say hi? Emma's currently going to be chopping onions in the kitchen. You're a terrible boss, Louise. And well, I sent her to the bar to get two large red wines because I'm that stressed. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Yes, she's making me chop onions. So to soften the blow, she's bought me a glass of wine to keep me quiet in the kitchen while she's doing this. She's unbelievable. I know she pretends that she's quite nice and lovely, but really, we all know she's a bit of a bitch. True story. So she dragged you all the way down on a Thursday night to basically chop onions and get her wine. Yes. And she's also going to want me to wash up because she doesn't seem to be able to do it. Honestly, if you could see my hands at the moment, the proper dishpan hands, she's got these beautiful manicured nails and mine are just shot because she won't do dishes. Can I just say what Emma said? All lies. (laughs) Lou basically just came in like a wrecking ball then, logged in, and I lost connection. (laughs) Jodie's headset went to shit. (laughs) Is it all my fault? This is good quality uh, podcasting, this is. Yeah, it is. Good quality rugby club Wi-Fi. So I I missed a lot of the chat. Did you conclude the story of the stats from Didsbury? Uh, Yeah, so of all the backs that I managed to get the information for, none of them showered. However, one of the backs did protest that she usually does shower, but she forgot a towel. But she could have borrowed Sherry's flannel. Oh, imagine. I don't think it's the flannel issue. It's the drying herself off afterwards. Did you get any insight into why they made those decisions? Do you know what? When I went up and said, how did you shower? I sort of started on the wrong foot. and I don't think they really wanted to talk any deeper into the ins and outs. And I felt a bit uncomfortable asking. Do you think you're being a bit predatorish? Yeah, all I asked was if you started, but they had 16 players, so I never actually found anyone that was a sub. Nobody's going to come back and play any of these return fixtures with us. <laughs> Everyone's going to be cancelling, going, oh, sorry, yeah, uh, we just can't raise a team. That's what it is. <laughs> it's not because we've got some sort of dodgy sex pest asking us about how we shower. That could be the weirdest way to win a league ever, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, just put them off. <laughs> <laughs> That's useful information, Jodie, thank you. That's very much contributed to the overall debate, although the... The missing shower interview is an ongoing issue that needs to be rectified. So I, I will yeah. sort it out the next game, Hal. Fantastic. Although I won't be playing next game, so it will be a case of just purving. So is the dictaphone dead? Yeah, it's well and truly chewed to pieces. So all my great so, work anyway, that I put yeah. in is now dust. Lost. Oh, God. So she just did her own homework. The dog ate your homework too. My homework was grade A. My friend, who's an IT expert, did ask whether he could help us out by trying to retrieve data. It's passed. But it's, it, I think it's well what, past Out of that. dog shit? Yeah, pretty much. You have to pass through the dog. <laughs> yeah, you have to wait till Wednesday next week before we could get it. Yeah, Stick the absolutely. Nails, the USB in. It'll be fine. <laughs> when it's done a double bagger. Oh, Read your lowering the tone. Quickly moving on. Let's get some structure back to this car crash. So. We want to talk tonight about pre-game rituals. A couple of games have happened recently. I've heard mixed reports from various different teams that I've interviewed about what happens in the 20 minutes, half an hour or more before the opening whistle goes. And it's been quite interesting to me. Everyone seems to have different routines. So in men's rugby, you tend to turn up, introduce yourself to the people around you, ask what position you're playing today, maybe put your cigarette out, tie your boots up (laughs) and off you go. Some people take their false teeth out. People maybe tape up bits of their body. But other than that, that's it. Whereas you guys seem to have a whole nother layer of routines that go on. Yeah, well, it's very structured and organised, isn't it? There's match day. Yeah, where everything's timed down to the absolute minutes, which is really how it should be if you want to be successful and also not have people fannying around for the whole hour before you kick off. You have to arrive about three hours early so that everybody can get strapped up, all of the many injuries, and to account for time for the 17 pre-match poos that you need. Now, and all the hair plaiting. See, I told you there'd be lots of poo. 
Like generally, I reckon it'd be an interesting survey for Jodie's next one to talk no. about how many pre-match poos people have because our captain, I think, is a solid four pre-game. Yeah, they're probably not solid, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Sorry, no pun intended. <laughs> Chrissy, hi. This is the second time we've tried to record a podcast interview because the first time I forgot to hit record. So all of the magic that you came up with in the original run-through, we're going to have to rediscover. So apologies <laughs> for that. But Anyway, this is Chrissy from Rochford Vixens down in Essex. Is that right? That's right, yep. Welcome to the podcast, Chrissy. Thank you for having me. So for the second time, do you want to tell me all about <laughs> your team? basically we had an established well we have an established under 13s under 15s and under 18s I just really wanted to set up a ladies team for somewhere for them to go because my daughter plays and you know many of the other ladies their daughters play too and it's, it's just showing them that there's something after under 18s how did you go about growing some semblance of a squad? Because it is really difficult. The idea is there. You've maybe got five or six people saying, yeah, brilliant idea. I'll definitely come down. Going from that discussion to enough players to field a team can be a real challenge. It can. We started off back in September 2019 and we ran a, in a Warrior event. We actually only had five people turn up, but from that we started training in October 2019 and it kind of went from five and then gradually grew to about 20 which was just amazing. How did you go about doing that? You mentioned word of mouth and getting the message out and so on but there's a big difference between somebody saying oh, yeah I'm up for that and actually turning up. Yes we just kept plugging away I mean my teammates they were just like I'm bringing this friend I'm bringing that friend and we just kept constantly trying to grow the team. It changed a lot. People came in, gave it a try, didn't like it, which is fair enough. And then, you know, someone else came in and it just changed quite a lot in the first few months. But now we seem to have got our regular attendees. You've had a couple of friendlies so far? We have. We had, it was kind of, it was just a local club just down the road from us. We did kind of like a training session and then we did a bit of touch and then we just did a bit of contact a game at the end just to get our you know, new players used to being tackled and tackling. Then our second game was a couple of weeks ago and that was three 20 minutes we played for that one and we had 14 players and we played uh, 12 aside. Um, so it was quite tiring. I bet. How did you get on in the game? What did you take away from it? It was just such a great game. We just, everybody got stuck in, you know, there's tackles and we did score a try, which was amazing because the first time we played a game, we didn't score a try, but everybody just worked so, so hard. And even though the scoreline was not in our favour, we didn't come away from the game feeling like we'd lost. We kind of felt, yeah, we did all right. It's so important in the early days to try and not to think about results as being a benchmark. It's very hard to do it because you instinctively want to win and you want to put onto the pitch everything that you've learned in training. And there's going to be days where you come off having been beaten quite heavily, but it's setting those sensible goals, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Like I said to the ladies, you know, you just want to just feel that you've improved something in your game and we've improved as a whole. Yeah, definitely not worry about the scoreline. <laughs> and from your perspective, Chrissy, you know, you're relatively new to the game as well, isn't it? But what possessed you to get involved? I grew up at the club. My dad played. Um, he actually used to leave me on the bar while I was asleep go and play and come back and I would just be looked after by random people down there <laughs> <laughs> or you'd find me asleep in the coats probably or something like that I played a little bit in the minis but stopped at under 13 and back then there wasn't anything until under 18 yeah my brothers both played so I've always followed it how did the idea of playing match up to the reality of playing <laughs> it's different it is a lot different you know I watch a lot of rugby and you you sit there and you go oh they should do that they should do that and then when you're actually on the pitch you don't really have a clue what's going on you just go you know run at them it's definitely different <laughs> I often say to my players that the more intelligent you are the harder you find rugby it's the thick ones that are really good because they just run <laughs> they, they just play what they see in front of them the more you think about it the more you realise that there's a lot of complexity to the laws, a lot of complexity to the actual physical moving a ball around a park, and it can paralyse you. I always think that international players are basically brain dead. <laughs> well, it's a good job. Of course, I won't get there. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in terms of Rochford as a as an area, then I lived in Essex for a time myself in a place called Kelvin and the culture stuff. So I do know the area a little bit. Well, who is your main kind of rivals in the area? What's the club locally that you're looking forward to playing? I'd like to say I don't want them to be our rivals purely because with the girls rugby, you've got little pockets of girls in all different sort of places. And I think sometimes on the men's side, it's all that team, that team, you know. And I don't want that for the girls because we might need to borrow some players from somewhere, you know. So our local clubs, we've got Westcliff, Southend, and I suppose Thurrock and Chelmsford. They're kind of like the ones that are near us. But obviously Thurrock are a few steps up, say. They're a good side, Thurrock, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're a yeah. good side. So what I'm going to do, Chris, is I'm going to schedule a call with you this time next year and to see at that point who your rivals are because okay. I can guarantee... <laughs> That you're going into it now, feeling the rugby love, but it only takes one game. Okay. <laughs> and then that rivalry starts, and it will be there for a generation. <laughs> is there a team gingerbread yet? Have you found one? So the team gingerbread, if you listen to episode one of the podcast, is the one that's always injured. Oh, that might be me. <laughs> I bruise very easily. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah. Do you? Why is that? Lack of game time or going into all the contact very, very hard? Yes, that one. Going into the contact very hard. <laughs> <laughs> what other characters do you have in your team then? Do you have anyone that always uh, makes everybody laugh on match day? Oh, that's probably Claire Dunn. She's a uh, one that likes to throw in the, the one-liners. She'll always bring up about the tenor lady. That's what she'll always bring up. Oh, no. So I'm glad it's not just the squad up here that talk about that constantly. Yeah. Oh, I can't do any jumping. No. <laughs> Yeah, we've got several players that, that we can't lift a line out. <laughs> yeah. We've got some that definitely don't like doing anything that involves squats. <laughs> it's one thing you have to get very used to as a male coach, actually, is some of this stuff that you know, you've, you're not really familiar with, and then all of a sudden you, you're immersed in it. Yeah. How have your coaches cope with coaching uh, the women's section then? <laughs> well, Pete, he's coached the women's sides for a long time and he also coached the Essex girls as well. So he's well and truly used to all the chat. Stuart is a little bit newer to it, but he's getting used to it. <laughs> he just stands back and laughs at us <laughs> until we sort of get it out of the way and then we'll carry on. Some people really can't deal with it, actually. It took me probably two years, I reckon, to be able to feel confident and comfortable coaching women, you know, having been around the men's game all my life. So in terms of the journey that you go on as a new team, one thing that, that I love, and I'm sure you've had the same experience, is just how funny it can be. What have you seen around the squad and the club that you would describe as very grassroots? I am going to drop someone in it because at our game the other week, we just scored a try. I mean, I was absolutely blown. And I said to Stuart, I said, please, I just need five minutes off. We were doing rolling subs anyway. I said, I just need to get off. And I was captain in the side at the time. And he said, right. He said, Fliss, your skipper. And she just turned around and she said, what position's that? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> That's how new we are. That is very grassroots. Fliss, you hope you were a, a very excellent skipper. Because she was. clearly your rugby knowledge needs a bit of work. So in terms of trying to grow the game then in your area, what barriers do you think there are to growing Rochford Vixens at the minute? I do think it is having pockets of girls at different clubs I think there is that kind of you play at this club and you play at this club and and almost you then only get four or five at each club when actually if you just cluster them together you'd have the squads to then be able to go out and play it's always kind of been like it I mean I don't know how else we can kind of I suppose we just keep doing what we're doing and and hopefully our girls we'll go, okay, we can just keep working our way up. And then there's a ladies team that we can go into. I mean, obviously, if they want to take things a little bit more seriously, they might want to go elsewhere. But, you know, we are at this present day and age, a very social side. So if that's what they want, then that's what they'll get. We always say, build it and they'll come. So try not to fixate too much on numbers. Try and keep the core together, even when times are difficult, which they will be. And just stay on course don't lose sight of the fact that it's hard and one day you'll you'll turn up and there'll be people you've never seen before and it just suddenly turns a corner almost overnight and then it can go back the other way very quickly as well it's a constant fight really there's been times where i've got into the off season thinking crikey we're going to win the league next year come into pre-season and half my team have gone somewhere else it's like i'm going to say you know it's unfortunately part and parcel of the women's game there isn't a 
magic bullet at all. It's just hard work. And like you say, making it fun, uh, making it the kind of environment that people feel comfortable in. We've been talking about a lot in, in the podcast, you know, things like mental health. And another thing that's been coming up quite a lot recently is, is body image and how that plays a part in getting people to play rugby. So little things like having shirts that fit, having good role models in the team that are able to, to identify where people are struggling in that area. What do you see in, in Rochford? What would you recommend to others to help people with that? I just think you've just got to be open and listen. If you can tell that, you know, someone's come to training, but they're not quite right, just be there if they want somebody to talk to. We've just actually joined with uh, Loose Heads, I believe. So we've got that in the background. It's just being there for each other and and just being comfortable openly chatting about things there's not a lot more to it than that really is there i think it's that openness and talking about it that plays a big part doesn't it just hearing that somebody else has got similar issues what i found a lot is that people look at certain players as being absolutely bulletproof and immortal but actually i know them pretty well from the other side and, and i know some of our best players have had all kinds of challenges with their mental health, their relationships at home, their body image, all kinds of different things that play a part in how they feel. Giving the message out that actually it's normal, but also it's okay to talk about it. It's really key, I think. We have a WhatsApp group as well. So sometimes if things don't come out, you know, on the pitch or with training, you might get a message on the WhatsApp group and then, you know, immediately everybody's there and your phone's blowing up. But it's great. I, I think that we are all really looking after each other. Sounds like a great place to come and play rugby. If somebody was listening to this, Chrissy, and was thinking, oh, you know, that sounds like a, a nice thing to get involved in. What advice would you give to them? I would just get down the club, get there. We're always there. I would be welcoming them. So he's just doing it. You can think about it, think about it. But actually just get in that car, drive down to that club and just get out and step through and you won't regret it. It's a great club to come to. We're a great group of ladies. I Well, I think so. It's great fun, fitness. If you don't want to play a match, I'm not going to pressure anybody to play a match. If they just want to come and train, then that's cool as well. You know, miss the warm up, maybe turn up to train and then have a beer at the end or something. That's great. What can clubs do, do you think, generally to make rugby more appealing for women? I'd like there to be a bit more social things down at the club or at clubs, I should say, just to kind of try and encourage them that way. Your club, by the sounds of it, is quite family oriented, quite well established. It isn't an intimidating place to walk into, but other rugby clubs probably aren't. And they're quite male, quite certainly where I'm based up in the northwest, often very white, certainly very straight, which can be a challenge in the women's game as well. How can clubs say you know what we are welcoming to women we want more women to come play and be part of our environment what barriers could we remove or what could we promote the taster days are a great idea i know that um maybe sometimes you have pre-match dinners don't you you could get like a ladies table together or something get them down there to watch the game i know in our club the lovely ladies behind the barn that had absolutely blinged up the ladies toilets just to make some areas a bit more feminine you know I have got an idea of there's a tiny little section on our wall of old women's teams and things I just want to get that a little bit bigger (laughs) that would be good it's just getting those women down there you know there's so many women on the sidelines watching their kids and things like that and even from like little scrummers you know right the little diddly dots the tiny ones their mums are running around and taster days like that or even like little half hour sessions to say oh come on while they're doing that come and have a go and you just have a go that's it that's all it, it takes doesn't it because you you'll know whether it's for you or not yeah absolutely and the number one thing I find with with women's rugby when I talk to to people that ask me about it or whatever they often say oh no that's not for me I'm I'm you know I'll get broken or they have this view that rugby's for certain types of people and not them which is not my experience at all. There's players in my squad that are eight stone wet through and are perfectly capable of t- taking down somebody three times their size. And then equally, I've come across some players that you would think are rugby players before they even stepped on the field and you can't stand it. You know, you can't stand the physical. So it's very much that try it, have a go. It's a mindset, isn't it? Massively. So, Chrissy, lovely to chat to you today. You've listened to a couple of our podcast episodes. What's your feedback? I just love listening to everybody's kind of experiences that they that they have you know because 
you can just relate to them. It's just nice to know that other people are experiencing the same the same things. <laughs> no, I love it. Thanks so much for your time. Again, apologies for the cock up earlier. With the women's game, especially because of what we talked about on the last pod with organising kids, doing their fixtures, getting the Sunday dinner ready before you play, etc. The pre-match has to be timed down to a T because if it isn't, then it just doesn't work. And even with the structure, like at Crew, we have an MDC, match day coordinator. They put the timings up and even then it's still a bit loose. Do you have to time the captain's poos? Is it that rigid? Yeah, that's just a bit in and out. It's very, very loose. Or just out and out. Yeah, I mean, if she could poo in the bin in the changing room, I think she would to save time. That's frowned upon. <laughs> Depends what club you're at. <laughs> as long as she uh, sprays a bit of poodaloo before she goes, it's all good. Going to the, the hair plaiting. That, that sounds like quite a specialist job. Do you have a specialist hair platter within the squad or is it just every man for himself? Hobbit. Laura. Hobbit. Ugh. Yeah, Holland's head's a pro. When she wasn't playing last game, everyone was like, who's plaiting hair? We're like, ah! Oh Absolute code red. This is a disaster. How times have changed. I just used to wear a scrum cap. Hope for the best. Strong you know? look, Reed. Strong look. Yeah, well, it was especially a strong look when I took my scrum cap off the end of the match it looked like i was king of france after his man in the iron mask i don't think a lot of the younger listeners will get that reference oh god iconic it's a very important film it's a true story there was a, a prisoner held in, in a prison in an iron mask and nobody ever knew who he was and there's lots of intrigue about who that person was yeah we'll all be <laughs> tuning into that boy <laughs> Oh, God, you're such losers, you lot. <laughs> so the hair plaiting, this must take a while because I, I've tried to plait my daughter's hair and it is not a quick job. I mean, admittedly, I'm not an expert hair platter not being able to plait my own hair. Well, I can do my own, but not everyone else's. So I always do my ha- own at home. And then someone asks me to do their hair and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. No, and then I just like tits it up and one's always like lopsided. When we're on uh, away games, obviously the coach trip is quite useful for just doing everybody's hair. But also, I don't think anybody's too worried about what it looks like because based on the quality of our um, faces during uh, the game photos from the last couple of weeks, the hair is the least of our problems. You're playing rugby. You're not going to the hair awards. Who cares? (laughs) There's a girl on our team called Hannah, and she won't mind me saying this, but she... There's 15 girls on our team called Hannah. This is true. Uh, However, this Hannah normally plays back row, but when she came to our team, every man and his dog says they play back row. And we explained to them that there's about 15 other girls in the queue. And bless her, she played second row. Uh, So she invested in a scrum cap because (laughs) her head was uh, squoze between mine and Dubs's very voluptuous bottoms. And there was a bit of chafage on the old ears. So uh, she didn't fancy the Vaseline. So she put a scrum cap on. However, her hair comes out of the scrum cap and uh, she represents a cactus when she's finished the game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pineapple's probably a better analogy. But yeah, her hair's definitely not tame, as neither is our captain's. She looks like Sideshow Bob. She does look like Sideshow Bob. This is very true. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over... And I've seen the promised land. I the rock, I the river, I the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, the Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Jess says. What was your prep like on Sunday before well, the match? There was no prep. The prep was a Yorkie and a can of Red Bull in the car. I jumped into the back of the van, out of my work uniform, into my rugby kit and jumped out of the back of the van. It was like Superwoman. <laughs> I was a worker when I got in and I was a rugby player when I got out and straight onto the pitch, can of Red Bull. No time to think about it. 
I was thinking, oh, I'm going to miss the first half because I'm coming straight from work. They'll probably just sub me on at half time. But instead, you ran out with the opposition. Yeah, I ran out with the opposition. Epic fail. About turn, round the edge, put my bag down. Two minutes of stretching. Right, you're on. Shock to the system. That's pretty grassroots. Yeah, it was pretty grassroots. What about the, your teammates then? What kind of crazy routines do you see before playing? I always used to be bemused by the way people prep before games. You've got the classic chops. Rocks up straight from the nightclub, still with last night's eyelashes stuck to her forehead. <laughs> One leg fake tanned, usually vomits in the car park en route, matted hair. <laughs> there is no routine there. And now it, it happens that much that she now can't play if she's not got a hangover or is still drunk. She has a really shit game if she's sober. This is true. It's like a ritual. She has to be drunk or hungover to perform. Rocks up in last night's clothes with a rugby kit on underneath. Katie Six poos. <laughs> She can't play unless she's had six poos. So three at home, two en route, one in the changing room before she gets on the pitch. Two en route? How does that she work? She lives in Renbury, doesn't she? Anything goes. Not like a nappy on. <laughs> Stop in a bush. Doesn't matter. But as long as she's had six before she can get on the pitch. But there are people who turn up about four hours before, like walk the pitch. What are those round things called that go click when you push them that workmen have? Like a measuring stick. You've got people who measuring literally stick. go to the level of walking around with one of those. They need to know every bump, every stone, every blade of grass. That's severe. Four hours of kicking, three hours of warm-up. I've never been that person. I wish time would allow. It always amazes me how you see people going out to, to practice their kicking. Like five minutes before a match. <laughs> yeah, I think if you haven't got it nailed a, a good yeah. one to two months before you want him to play, then forget it. And then, like, sure as eggs is eggs, the first kick barely even leaves the tee. It's like, yeah, maybe I'll get there a bit earlier next time. I don't think I'd ever be one of those p- people who turns up five hours before, even if I had the time. Because I'd just be a nervous wreck. I prefer to turn up, not last minute, but turn up, get the warm-up done, get on with it. The warm-up's bloody knackering anyway. Why would you spend all your energy doing a warm-up? Because you've got a match to play. Like we said on previous episodes, by the time you turn up for the warm-up, I've probably been up for six hours sorting kids out. I'm already warm. I need the cool down before I play. I'm already warm, yeah. <laughs> you need a cool down, yeah. My routine started seven hours ago. I'm fully stretched by now. I've done a food shop, dropped 10 kids off at various locations, cooked a Sunday roast, walked the dog, ironed the uniforms, made the packed lunches, packed the rugby bag, walked to the rugby kit. I am warm. <laughs> Do you remember a few years ago when some clown asked the then coach Mark for a good pre-match routine. Remember this? So Mark then asks somebody who's in the army about how they would prep for these sorts of things. Did you have to have a, a tablespoon of tuna? Yeah. I don't know why it's a tablespoon. Yeah, why a tablespoon? It's specifically tuna fish. What else was on that list? There's a tablespoon of tuna fish, wasn't there? There was a, some granola. Well, if I'm opening the tin, I'm eating the tin. I can assure you I'm not stopping at a spoon. They're not even big <laughs> tins. <laughs> that's ridiculous if the tin is open the tin is empty there was all kinds of things there wasn't there there was what else was on that list do you remember I can't remember now it was mainly beige food I think yeah some avocado probably wasn't there some olive oil and some fish oil capsules and- I think shortly after that advice was given didn't we try to start a post-match fine of you have to eat a, a tablespoon of tuna yeah nobody would do it no you don't want to do it <laughs> I had to eat a, a raw onion. Oh, I some wasn't on rather. that. That was on the bus. And I could still taste it on the, the following Friday. The most awful thing I've ever had to do. So what about the actual getting your head in the game then? So in, in men's rugby, five minutes before kickoff or whatever, the prop forwards are actually banging their heads on the wall or maybe against each other's heads or maybe they're doing some kind of three-headed banging, drawing blood, shouting, swearing, all kinds of stuff. The second rows are normally actually fighting with each other. The back row are normally eating some raw meat somewhere. They've caught with their own bare hands. The fly half is probably checking his Instagram. Scrum half is having a fight with one of the supporters from the other team. And the rest of them are just like probably not even arrived yet. Pre-game psych thing can be quite a big thing in men's rugby. What do you guys do to get yourself mentally prepared for the oncoming onslaught? I'll tell you one thing that we don't do... And that's listen to fucking Adele before a match. That's what. <laughs> Have you seen her on Vogue? Can we just sidetrack? Yeah, she looks amazing. Yeah, but she doesn't look like Adele, does she? She looks rough now she's lost all that weight. No, she does look lovely, but like her boobs look on point, but yellow's not for not oh, for I've my liking. 
She looks hey. like one of those eco-friendly bin bags. <laughs> Jesus. It's like an eco-family bin bag. I thought they were a bit saggy. Like Adele. <laughs> you don't listen to fucking Adele. You listen to some sort of pump music. You listen to something that gets you head in the game. Something that gets you cross. Something that gets you the adrenaline pumping. And for me, it was that. It was listening to something motivational, loud. It's raining men. Oh, please, it's raining men. It does it for my oh, granddad. God. So, you know... I just keep getting visions of him dancing to It's Raining Men and not understanding the context of what he's singing. <laughs> <laughs> For our millions of listeners, the, the, the Adele reference is oh, yeah. relating to a game in Workington. The kickoff was delayed due to the ref getting lost. Another stupid ref story. So the players, rather than going and chucking the ball around or something, because it was a freezing cold, wet day, went into the changing rooms. And as a way of sort of both keeping warm and keeping motivated... They all sang Someone Like You, yeah. Someone so Like You, yeah. The squad was singing Someone Like You. Not all the squad were singing it at full volume. You were being a boring bastard. Though. Me and Katie were losing our shit because who the fuck sings that before a rugby match? Seriously, yeah. though. Katie wasn't raging. She was probably having a fifth poo. You were probably trying to get the scrum cap on the right way round. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> having a crafty sig before the kickoff. Probably accurate. Wondering if I can have half a pint before the match. In terms of pre-match superstitions then dubs do you have anything that you do that's a little bit quirky that perhaps you feel like you probably don't need to do but do it anyway i get really really nervous before every game so i don't really talk to anybody i'm just like really quiet and just kind of in my own space i tend to get everything out of my bag for to the game which clearly i do not need to do but i must spend about half an hour kind of unpacking and repacking my bag i think it's probably just because i don't want to talk to anybody else and also i haven't invested in any of these i'm not sure what you called them that the the mobile phone headsets earpods um, not quite uh, got to the professional standards of some of the rest of our team yet with that. So uh, I just have a tendency to yeah unpack and repack my bag about 17 times whilst not talking to anybody. Nice. You're a proper good teammate, you, aren't you? <laughs> Everybody's trying to get that feeling of togetherness and you're just like, I'm not talking to you. I'm going to pretend to pack my bag just so I don't have to talk to my teammates. Class. Yep. Lou's talking about a pants, <laughs> lucky pants. I tend to wear oddball pants, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, I, I always wear the oddballs pants when I play rugby. So maybe they're my kind of lucky purple rugby pants. Mine were lucky purple, huge rugby pants. I wore them every single game for about 10 years. Are they rugby pants or pants that became rugby pants because you wore them for rugby? Well, no, just enormous pants that I used to wear for rugby. Granny pants. Right. Yeah, granny pants. But they used to be white. They didn't. They were always purple. They like used to be white. They, they didn't. Did you get them off Crew Market? You know, those giant pants they have on Crew Market that they hang up and they're like made of cotton effect cotton. So it's basically, you wear them for a match and then you have a urine infection for the next three weeks. No, they're Sainsbury's. Buy a pack, of, uh, a five pack. So you've got five pairs of these pants. Sainsbury's and all sponsoring us. Had multiple pairs, yeah. Did you? How about you, Molly? What's your pre-game? Well, I've got lucky pants. They're basically... Bikini bottoms that are blue, pink, and purple. So a bit of a combo of Louise's and Dubs's that I wear every game. But were they white to begin with, Molly? No, Louise. They were meant to be discoloured. Yes. Are you sure, though? 100%. <laughs> but no, to be honest, I don't. I listen to music. I've got my own playlist, my rugby playlist. No, just wake up, be stressed, eat breakfast, then probably be sick, have a few poos. And then <laughs> just, yeah, go out, really. But I have to make sure that I do my own warm-up before I start. I can't just go straight into the team warm-up. I have to do a couple of pathetic stretches before I start. And then I can go over to everybody else. Personal stretches. Yeah. Stretch the flaps out, you know. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, it's normally because... No, of, you're not, though. No. no, it's normally that I've carried an injury or I really, really struggle when we've travelled on a bus to stretch off the journey. Wow. No, the journey. So um, I have to go and stretch my hamstrings out and normally groin as well. And this is not an innuendo. This is just normal. Just, um, just the one groin, not not both. Just the left, not the right, no. <laughs> is it is it right flat left groin or left no, no, groin no, left just, flat just groins but i think 
with pre-match routine. Shut up, Louise. You're sidetracking us. Go back to your squash tea. <laughs> I'm only here for a, a limited amount of time because I feel really guilty about Emma cutting all the onions off. And... Ah, she'll be fine. <laughs> um, but... She's crying. She's just come to the hatch and she's absolutely crying. Oh, bless her. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have to buy her another wine in a minute. I mean, I've finished mine. I think she's only had one sip of hers. Oh, bless her. You need to swap. With pre-match routine, Matt, I think it's really difficult sometimes to understand your teammates, especially new people that come along, because you don't really know what makes people tick when they join the team. So, like, for example, Chrissy will sit with her headphones on for probably 45 minutes before we even go out some people want to chat about everything and anything and then other people like rock up five minutes before we go out and then just go straight out and don't talk to anyone so I think with pre-match routine you have to kind of be comfortable to just accept what everyone else around you is doing because the level of nerves or organization is very different I think what we've got to remember is that actually playing a game of rugby, no matter what level you're at, I think there's still a massive amount of nerves and it's stress and it's actually how you personally deal with that stress. 100%, yeah. How about you, Jodie? I do listen to like a motivational sort of YouTube video before I go head out to rugby. It's sort of on the lines of the intro we have for Sherry's bit of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Like, you can do it. Head to the top of the mountain. Do you find that it helps you when you're mm, actually no, running out? Do you get to the point where you just think, I'm trying to get to the top of the mountain, but I just can't really be asked. That mountain is there forward and I can't find her. <laughs> yeah, I can't tackle that mountain. That's, that's a bridge too far. From personal experience, like, you know, when I was playing a lot, I had to get away from my teammates. It sounds really stupid given it's a team game, but I had to get away from my teammates. I had to be in my own head and my own space before you get into the the actual routine of getting yourself ready to play so I was all in for the team talks and the getting yourself riled up and motivational words and all that sort of stuff but I, I couldn't engage with the game itself until I'd had time to almost mentally detach my working week and my home life and all of that and then get myself in the right headspace to play rugby I suppose but each to their own as they say you do strike me Jodie as somebody who you're generally quite organized and together and then something goes wrong and you just turn into this absolutely chaotic nightmare of a person. I have somebody that is, has got our shit together. I have not got my shit together. I am not organised. When things go to shit, I take it on the chin and go, well, okay, yeah. Conscious of time, because Lee, you got to go and give Emma some more unpleasant jobs to do. Are you giving a 5p per plate? Is she on the same rate as what Grace is? 5p a plate for everyone she washes? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you actually offered your daughter 5p a plate. <laughs> what made me laugh was, is she made herself the grand total of 65p, and I've never seen her happier. It's like a normal day is. She has to scrub the floors. She has to clear out the plug holes in the shower and all that sort of stuff. And it's just a generally miserable existence. And you give her 65p, and it's like the happiest day of her life. <laughs> the thing is, Matt, I didn't actually give her the money. Oh, my God. <laughs> she just... Did you not? Dubs gave her five pence. I did. And I knew you wouldn't. So I, sh- I said to her, oh, what are you going to spend your money on? She was like, oh, sweets. And she's like, but I haven't got the money yet. My mum said she'll give it me later. I was like, mm. Mm. I said, I'd ask for that on a written piece of paper if I were you. She said to me she was going to save up and spend it when she gets to Manchester. I'm like, oh, okay. Probably yeah, just for the purposes of the podcast, if this does actually get aired, was catering at the rugby club last weekend for the women's rugby club. We did the rugby tees. And I've got Grace, my nine-year-old daughter. Oh, ten? Nine. Ten-year-old daughter. You don't daughter. even know your own daughter's oh, age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My ten-year-old daughter to get and clear all the plates in. And I said, I'd pay you 5p per plate you bring in. We're going to set up a GoFundMe page to Free Grace. It's the Free Grace campaign from servitude and slavery. If we can make £100,000, we can find Grace a new home, a new loving forever family. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I'll take her. I love Grace. There we go. Anyway, she's she's great at clearing pe- plates. <laughs> she is for five and pence. Five pence a plate. Grassroots News with Lou. One main topic I wanted to talk about tonight is I saw a post from one of the Birkenhead Panthers 
rugby players, Claire, she'd put a, a proud post on the Women's Rugby Network saying how proud she was of four of the Bir- Birkenhead Panthers making the England Fire Service rugby team. I just think that's a really nice story because, you know, you're still a grassroots player, but you can actually play up whilst you might may never play for England Roses, you may play for England Fire Service or you know the armed forces or so i think that's really nice story to be honest yeah it's a massive achievement it is an achievement I've got one friend who i played rugby with at uni and she plays for england women deaf team that's still a massive achievement and i just think that's that's really good because we played the same level rugby and she's obviously leveled up i really like that I think any level above grassroots, whether that's county, well, it's still grassroots, but any level, county or police, fire, England death, anything like that is amazing. And I don't think it should be seen as a lesser for the the Roses team. The Roses team got announced today, but I think the publicity around other levels of the game, the county, regional, etc., is as big. And it means more to the grassroots team because it's people at the local level too. And my second thing that I wanted to talk about was the lack of stories to talk about but what I think has happened is everyone's been playing their first proper league fixtures and um, I think a lot of players are a bit broken from their first league fixtures so they're not really talking about we can't play this fixture and that all that sort of chat has subsided a little bit and I think nobody really wants to publicize the fact that a lot of their teams just got broken at the first fixture back yeah I think we can probably empathize with that a little bit that's an interesting point actually I'm assuming that the games that that we've had have been indicative of games around the country, which have been extremely physical and fast-paced and so on. So have you guys had any feedback from other teams about how they're, they're holding up after the start of the season? I think the game we played this weekend just speaks volumes. So Didsbury, my friend Laura, is their captain. She's out with a... What was that? Sorry, Josh has just burnt his finger. <laughs> I thought that was Emma. Cooking onions. No, no. Uh, stand by. I'll be back. It might be code red. <laughs> might be leaving to go to the A&E. With a- <laughs> Literally a code red. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, we need somebody permanently at A&E sat there just keeping seats warm, keeping a place in the queue. <laughs> yes. We keep getting people injured in blooming training or in friendlies. So uh, I think in two of our training sessions, people have ended up going to A&E with concussion. So one last night. So I think, yeah, yeah, I think kind of coming back to really physical sport and, you know, moving away from touch rugby and things like that. So, you know, our, our bodies are, just need to get back used to it again. I think it's been a long time off playing some really physical matches. Let's face it, a lot of us have got a lot bigger over COVID. So, you know, <laughs> the impact's going to be <laughs> a, bit, a bit more severe than it was maybe a couple of seasons ago. I've not seen as much in the game. So, like, we haven't had as many people, I don't think, going off in games. But I think even in training... Do you think there's a lot of pent-up rage as well that people have just taken out? at the first opportunity they get when the contact starts. All those yeah. months of being sat on their butt, homeworking, h- having a load of work shit and all that kind of stuff. Coops up with your kids and your partner. Somebody coming on a crash ball off off 12, it's like, I'm having you. Going to get it. I think also, because it's been so long, you almost sometimes forget the basics, which means that you're obviously more likely to get injured. So just remembering to tackle low rather than, you know, running headfirst into somebody. Um, <laughs> so I think it also it means so much to people as well. We were talking earlier about like nerves and stuff like that. Everybody's really up for it, but it's almost like, oh my God, it's such a big thing that we're back after such a long time. Yeah, you, you don't want to lose it. So it, almost the intensity is really high because you're like, what happens if we have to go into lockdown again? Let's just get it all out now. And I think maybe now everyone's thinking, not asking the question out in social media saying we want a match, our opposition have cancelled. Now they're just not saying anything because they've had that match. They got smashed, got some injuries. They don't want another match until the next league fixture. Out of interest, Dubs, without singling you out for being close to, what? Well, how old are you now? 30, 32, 33? 40 next week. Or as I like to call it, 30. Exactly, exactly. So do you feel that because you're coming up 40, I know this feeling myself, you, you sort of think, well, I always said to myself, I play until I was 37, 38, something like that. Um, didn't really happen. Found myself 
accidentally retired pretty much. Do you feel that you've been robbed of a couple of years due to COVID of playing because you're at that stage of life where you know you're not going to be able to play for the next 10 years like Molly is perhaps or Jodie is? Not really because I think because I only started playing three years ago I don't have years and years of injuries on my body so where people have screwed their knees up and their shoulders and, and things like that I haven't got that so Yes, it it was frustrating because I don't know how long I have got. But I also kind of feel like actually because I'm not crippled from playing since I was 12, I actually feel still quite fit. Recovering a bit from COVID at the moment, but generally kind of I can play for 80 minutes and probably my recovery time might be a bit uh, longer than uh, some of the, uh, and I'm certainly never going to be a back. But yeah, I think if if this would be my last season, I think I'd have been really annoyed because you kind of go, yeah, actually, I don't want this to be my last season. But touch wood I'm not crippled yet fortunately I'm now moving into front row because nobody else wants to play it so uh, <laughs> all of these uh, all of these people that keep starting all want to be back rows so there's not as much competition for my space at the moment so I'm going to put a, a bit of news in as well so I, I promised Karen from Dis Ladies down in Norfolk that I'd give her a, a shout out for their pitch up and play that's coming up on the 31st of October at one o'clock. So we have an interview coming up with Dis Ladies in the next couple of weeks, but we're not going to be able to release that episode until after the pitch up and play has happened. So anyone in the Norfolk area that's looking to, to have a go at rugby, this is a fantastic team. So get yourselves down 1pm on the 31st and uh, I'm sure you'll have a great time. So I just went and checked on how Emma's getting on with the chopping of the onions. You mean the help? Yeah. (laughs) She's going to kill me when she hears that. So her husband, Nick, is the director of rugby here at uh, Crew and Antwich, and he's been on a course yesterday, and he put a link to our podcast on the notice board for all directors of rugby who were on the course yesterday. Is he wanting to show how professional our women's team is? Yeah, that's it. How grassroots we are. <laughs> it's only since he appeared in the last episode that he's like, yeah, everyone yeah. needs to listen to this. Yeah, yeah. But only the first five seconds of episode four, the rest ignore. Just play it, then just give up on it, yeah. Oh, it looks like Molly's come back in. Is everything okay, Mol? Josh alive? No, to be honest, he's burnt his hand really badly. It's all right. This is a, a reason why I should cook. And I know that's pretty bad because I'm an absolute oh, terrible cook. For anyone that knows me, I'm a shit cook. I know he's burnt his hand quite bad, so I had to attend to that. So what did he do? Take a tray out of the oven with, with his bare hand or something? No, 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 no. We had some peppercorn sauce on the hob. Was the dog involved? The dog was not involved. Didn't, didn't trip him up, but basically it fell onto his hand and it's blistered. So it's oh, not shit. great. I feel a bit like this is 999, what's your emergency? <laughs> no, there's no emergency. It's the patient breathing. No, the emergency is there's no bloody peppercorn sauce. Let's exactly. Hashtag first world problems. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. He's got his hand underwater and I've supervised oh. him for five minutes. All right, aren't you, babe? Well, at least now we're both injured, so it's fine. Is it his wanking hand? Uh, <laughs> negative. No, no, it's just the left. This is Molly's Grassroots Salute. So, my Grassroots Salute is not for a team as such. However, it's for Megan and Tom, who have written in to the Women's Network about what they would like to talk about. So, basically, they want to share their story about creating a safe space to speak about all things mental health, illness, and rugby. So their group's called Warrior. Uh, They don't actually play for a team, either of them. I messaged Megan earlier today, and it's about helping people and supporting them through the good and the bad. They've got about 200 members on Facebook, and they're really grateful to everyone for being so brave and chatting about it. And I just thought, from what I told you guys earlier, in terms of rugby being my outlet for mental health, that actually it's really important to be able to talk about mental health. And I think it's fantastic that neither of them play for a rugby team but they're reaching out to the rugby community i'm grassroots saluting tom and megan from is that uh, megan stevens out of interest yes now i was going to invite megan onto the podcast actually megan is an absolute legend so i've been following megan on twitter now for some years Uh, no it came about she's a massive quins fan and goes to a lot of their home games and was obviously really 
excited last year through the Quinn's premiership win and so on. Yeah. She suffers from mental health issues. She's been very open about it on Twitter with her battles with anxiety and so on. And Megan has done some amazing work raising money for various charities, particularly Young Mind. And Ooh. I started following her because she did a campaign that attracted quite a bit of interest. Going back some time now for, for raising money for this charity. And if I was looking at her Just Giving page now, she's currently £11,950 against a target of £20,000 again for another campaign. And she's a real legend. She has her demons, but she's a big, big rugby fan. And what I've loved about following Megan's journey is how open and how honest she is. She's very open and public with the challenges that she's had. She doesn't hide behind the fact that she's had some real difficulties in her personal life. And when I went through some challenges myself a couple of years ago, I found some of the stuff that Megan was doing really inspirational and very much the idea of talking about it. You're not alone, sharing her journey and her stories. So I think that's brilliant that, that we've picked that up, actually. And Meg, if you do listen to this, we'd love to have you on the podcast for a chat if you're interested. I reached out to her and just kind of said, like, who do you play for? Who does Tom play for? And she basically just said, uh, we don't. <laughs> uh, yeah. We don't actually play for a team, just support. And I just thought, actually, it speaks volumes from a rugby community. You don't have to play to be involved in the game. You can support or just kind of be involved with the team. And it's just that community spirit that keeps people going mental health is massive and I think rugby is an outlet for a lot of people for their mental health me included and I just think amazing and she's all about what's your podcast called and we can share it with our group so yeah I think if we can get Megan on that would be fantastic and we could hopefully um help with her just giving page as well put the link on yeah 100% yeah great work Meg keep it going These are the teams that got a right royal whooping in the league last week. Richmond Ladies seconds, nil. Wimbledon Women, 62. Derby Ladies, 65. Five Woods Old Edwardians Ladies, 5. Ellingham and Ringwood Ladies, 72. Haven't Ladies, 7. St Mary's Old Boys Ladies, 78. Chew Valley Cat ladies zero Haverhill and district ladies five sudbury ladies 95 episode five's spanking of the week goes to bindleville amber valley tigers who got their bottoms handed to them on a silver plate by burton ladies 121 points to nil jody obviously you skived off last week because you were too busy feeding your dog electronics yeah sorry she's um, hungry big game a couple of weeks ago between reading and, and amesbury we were really quite shocked by the result it must have been a right ding dong of a session so we can only assume that it ended in animosity fighting red cards and all kinds of dirty protests against each other so <laughs> pants left in changing rooms all absolutely that i'm sure you've been on the case and investigating when you haven't been trying to extract bits of plastic out of your dog's rectum well it's been pretty easy for me because they just come straight to me i don't have to do any sort of research i got a message of a lady from reading called susan and she's emailed in in response to the previous email we received from sarah from amesbury and what she said about the changing rooms so i'll just read it as it's wrote here hi jody i listened to the podcast recently and i have especially enjoyed the shed says segments the reason i've contacted you is in regards to the previous email you had received from amesbury I actually played that game for Reading. The truth is, the changing rooms were a disgrace when we had arrived. We managed to clean up the most of the mess that was there, but didn't want to touch the knickers. So we found a broken hanger to put them on the pegs so that we weren't having to touch them and they were out of the way. Additionally, we played them this week, and aimed we were really dirty players, on the pitch and off. Every game we have with them, we come off the pitch wishing we had cancelled it. It just brings the whole vibe down. Time regards, Susan. It sounds like it's a... Bit of a big beef is going on there, really. A very formal ending there. Kind regards. <laughs> Yours sincerely. She's not pissed off with you, though, because that would be a regards. Be yeah. warmest regards. Yeah. Warmest regards. Yeah, love. love Yours from. faithfully, Susan. Well, Susan, I think what we all want to know is what started this beef in the first place, because 
It's obviously gone on for a little while. Is it something big? Is it just a niggle that got out of control? Is it? Is it a bit like <laughs> the fishing trip in Gavin and Stacey, where nobody, that no one talks about, nobody but talks definitely, about it. they definitely did bits. I feel like you could invite them both onto the podcast and you could do some mediation with them. Definitely, God. I think mediation. that's a great shout. We just want to know what's occurred in. Tidy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, being hunted down by a pack of three, running towards the touchline, shuffled into the touch. Not entirely sure. Right. That is this is Fantasy 15. I am going to have to go because my glass is empty and I really do need to help Emma in the kitchen before she probably stabs me with the onion knife. Yeah, I like the way you try and duck out just before you introduce that section that you promised us that you do, which is Fantasy 15. So you were given the job of coming up with the category yes. for the wingers. I mean, I thought this week we'd go for wingers, we'd go for royalty. No, that's shit. There's like three princesses in the whole of history. In the whole of history? It's a global thing, Jodie. Let's go with Princess Anastasia from the Russian royal family, buried in the church in St. Petersburg. I've actually seen her tomb as it happens. So, you know, there wasn't just three. Also, nice bit of history in there. Thank there you. There you go. Um, Killed but- Always by the, learning. Uh, by the Bolsheviks, <laughs> 1917. <laughs> I'm sure there's a Disney one that I've seen. No, well, I thought, what about Kate and Megan? Kate is going to be taken out. I reckon Kate's pretty feisty, actually. She's a good hockey player, Kate, isn't she? She's quite sporty, isn't she? Yeah. What about, I know, with the obvious, Diana and Fergie? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. One's obviously dead. I was going to say, I'm not sure if uh, Diana can make it. Too soon. Too she might soon. be late for training. Yeah, yeah. too, too soon. I, I, oh, 25 years I, know, I thought it might be a bit controversial. Matt said not, but, you know. Tell you what, though, it'd be good for press coverage, wouldn't it? If you had Diana You'd get your and... and ginger as well, wouldn't you? Oh, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Surely we've got plenty of them already. Lots of secret gingers. So Megan and Kate is the obvious choice, aren't they? I reckon Megan's probably quite quick, isn't she? But I'm not sure she's going to be able to take much of a hit. She's a bit older as well, isn't she? Is she? Yeah, I think she's secretly fairly old. Is she? Secretly. I'm like you, that's open about your age. She's 40, 40 correct. Look at that. I didn't oh, know that. Okay, my version of 30. That's quite grassroots though, isn't it? It's having a 40-year-old having mum. A having a, <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Look, I was put under pressure to come up with a category. You had a whole week pressure. Listen, I've had a whole week, but I only put my mind to it at 6pm tonight. I felt a bit under pressure, if I'm honest. And also, let's be fair, wingers aren't really my speciality. Could have had yeah. princesses for like the number 10, number 9. We discussed this. We don't want princesses at 10. It's too stereotypical. You want princesses on the wing because they're closer to the crowd as well, aren't they? So you've got the crowds on the sidelines. They can wave at the crowd. They can sign autographs. They're close to the photographers. We're talking good publicity here for the match, aren't we? We've got Lizzo bossing it at 10. She's right in the middle, away from all the action. Dual French is punching faces. You've got Patsy and Dina drinking, going in at the side, handling the ball on the ground, all that nonsense. I would pay good money to watch that game. Yeah. I really would. Be Absolutely. <laughs> Victoria Pendleton's probably like smashed a few people, had a mental breakdown. Gemma Collins has injured herself and she's yeah. for a little cry. We've had to bring Paula Radcliffe on because we've run out of subs. But meanwhile, while all this chaos is going on, we've got Diana on one wing and Fergie on the other, just soaking up the crowd, pressing the flash. And then both of them could be pretty feisty when they get the ball in their hands, probably. Takes one for the face. Catches first, preferably, and then the drive. Ooh, full in the face. Look at this. Very definition of taking one for the team. Oh, my God. That is extraordinary. And the kick lands on the head, and offside is accidental. This is Every Team's Got One. Dubs, talk me through what you mean by an energizing bunny. Every time you see them, they're up here. Um, so much so that you're wondering what they're on. They're like 100% all the time. Tempo, tempo, tempo. It's always fire. It's never ice. And unfortunately for us, you know, she's our captain. So that's probably what you need at a captain is somebody to kind of really drive you and, and fill you with energy. But I just don't know how the hell she does it. I'm exhausted. And she's got businesses and a family to look after and things like that. And I just think, I, don't, I have no idea how the hell you do this. Yeah, just so, so full of energy. So what's it like playing with an energizer bunny? Tyrant. Tiring. Why tiring? Because it's so hard to keep up to their tempo. Honestly, you're just like, okay, you do you. I'll go over here and just collapse a scrum or something. <laughs> it takes different tempos, though, because actually, for me, 
I need that tempo. I need someone driving me. I need someone doing it. And everyone has a different tempo. Everyone can bring different bits to the game. But without that person driving you and making you want to work constantly, and that is what a captain should be, then the people that can't get to that tempo will just be in the changing room still. So when they walk onto the pitch, they'll still be thinking about the changing room. So they'll still be thinking about what did I have for breakfast? But actually that bunny makes you leave that and get yourself into the mindset of the pitch and the people that can get themselves onto the pitch mentally step up into I'm going to smash every rook and I think actually those levels enhance no matter what they make you gain a level each time for me if I didn't have that motivation then I think I would still be in the changing rooms not present on the pitch so I think everyone's got one even if it's on a night out or on a social event or just generally chatting, it makes a team tick. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I need somebody like shouting at me and kind of motivating me throughout the game. You can't value that enough. It's funny you've just said about on a night out. I would say sometimes your energizer money on a night out might be somebody a bit surprising. So for me, Ella in our team. um, I was just going to say Ella. She's an absolute machine. (laughs) Most of the time she's like pretty laid back, really quiet and then get a couple of drinks down her and And she's like dancing on the table to Combine Harvester. <laughs> Do you know what she said on Saturday? When he was like, do you want a shot? Do you want a shot? It's like, I'm not doing a shot, but I'll down my, down my pint. I was like, okay then. She just downed two pints of cider. I was like, fucking hell, she's going to play tomorrow. That's not going to go well. I think she had a tactical uh, chunder halfway through the night. <laughs> she was not okay. Stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref. I wasn't playing at the time. So um, the Hounds, which are um, the, the team kind of just above um, the Hoppers who I play for at, at Stourbridge, were playing away against um, Old Hales. A bit of a local derby, um, always a bit of niggle because yeah, they're yeah, relatively um, closely ranked clubs. And uh, there was um, a, a ref, um, I won't say his name, but most people around North Midlands would know him. He has massive ears, huge. Uh, um, that's all I need to say people know who it was and uh, I was um, on the sideline um, and I was giving it some bants to to you know, our other club team to the hounds um, nothing no bad language um, and it was kind of internal you know jokes um, but the ref didn't like it um, and he came over to me um, and said that I needed to you know keep quiet blah 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 and I said but I'm not making any, you know, reference, not using bad language. You know, there's, I'm not making any derogatory marks, you know, remarks that anyone would understand. It, it's just, you know, interclub kind of jokes and in-joke. Um, anyway, uh, I took offence of that. Um, so the next bit of play, he made an absolutely howler of decision, absolutely howler. Um, I can't remember if it was a, a massive knock-on or a massive offside, but everybody, you know, could tell. Stevie Wonder would have, have, have saying, known that it was, you know, the wrong decision. Um, and at that point, again, without swearing or anything, I did make a remark about his refereeing, um, which he blew the whistle, stopped the game, said to the established captain, um, that gentleman there, I don't think he called me a gentleman, he probably called me a fat old fart, um, that bloke there needs to leave the side of the pitch because the game won't continue while he was there. Um, so um, the captain came over and said he wants you to leave the pitch um, because uh, the other side of the pitch, else that he's going to uh, abandon the game. Thanks so much for listening to Grassroots, a podcast by players for players. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Castbox and give us a comment. If you would like your team featured, please get in touch. A brilliant finish. This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the roots up.